so good to see each of you this morning and welcome you into this blessed assembly. Another opportunity to get together and praise the Lord. My prayer is that you haven't come two days this far and stopped being thankful. I hope it didn't end when the plate was empty. Surely you have more to be thankful for than just a plate of food. Although that is a blessing. To have a plate of food, surely your maturity in this walk extends beyond some red velvet cake or some, may, may I say, some German chocolate cake and a plate of food. Surely you know that God has been better to you than that. Surely you sat down and assessed what all you need to be thankful for. I don't have time to stand up here and run down my list of just this morning, let alone how good he's been all this other time. Just this morning would get on your nerves. If you start thinking the way you ought to think him, for everything you ought to thank him for, then you realize without a doubt, T won't have to play or sing, Reggie won't have to play or sing. You already know he's able. Yeah, he can do it. He has done it. And if he don't do it, <coughs> it can't be done. Yeah, so we thank God for him being God. I like it when they used to say he's God all by himself. And we thank God for him being so loving and so gracious to us. Can I say this too? He's able, he's done it, and we haven't deserved it. That ought to make you shout right there when you realize where you've fallen short. And still, God has been good to us. I just can't get that out of my mind. How many times I've fallen down and failed and not been what I should have been. And still, God did it. And so I thank him for it. I'm so excited. Anthony has alluded to it. I've been hearing the themes all the way to the sanctuary this morning. I've been seeing it in writing. About this season we've entered into and started today, this season we call on the liturgical calendar, we call it Advent. A lot of us in our churches, our African-American Baptist churches in particular, don't celebrate according to the liturgical calendar. There may be some elements we pull out. But those who are in the more orthodox churches follow the liturgical calendar the entire year. You see some themes of it in our services. But can I tell you that this season we've just entered into, the one we call Advent, the one that's called Advent, is for every believer. It's for everyone who believes in the power of a risen Savior. As we go through these next four weeks in celebration and anticipation of the coming of Christ, and you'll understand more and more about what Advent really means. And in fact, it's my prayer that this year you'll understand it in a, in a diff, different and deeper way. Yeah. 
That's my prayer, which is why we're going to concentrate so deeply on it over these next four, four weeks. As we step into this message, I want to ask you to please be prayerful for some of our friends in the ministry, some folk we love dearly and have known all of our lives. Pray for our own sister, Sonny Jordan. She continues to recuperate. Please pray for her. Pray also for our own brother, Morgan Thomas, lifelong friend, struggling with COVID. Pray also for our own brother and sister, Linda, Robert and Linda Joyner. My brother and sister I've known for many, many years and served with as deacons at my home church and his daughter and her family members of this, have been members of this church for many years. Y'all know Andrea with all them children. So mom and dad is struggling with COVID for the last two weeks. I'd also ask you to pray for our own family member, uh, Dickie Jones, our aunt, who is also hospitalized with COVID. She also has pneumonia. No will to be in the hospital for a few more weeks. Why am I going through this list right now? I know we've already shown you the sick and shut in because I can't say enough to make you understand how serious this disease is. I think too many people are still on the fringes of thinking that it may not be as serious and it's just what other folk are blowing out of proportion. Can I tell you that people we know and love are dying from this disease? People we know and love are bedridden and hospitalized from this disease. And the fact that it hadn't hit you or close to you means you ought to be saying he's able. And you ought to thank the Lord for his mercy. But the way people are going about it, this pestilence is one that can't be seen, can't be heard. But my God, if it gets you, you can feel it. Please pray. And do the things that we can do. I can't stand to hear folks say out of frustration that which we could get just out of instruction. Just wear your mask. Just wash your hands. Stay at home if you don't have to go anywhere. It's not real hard. Your freedom is not worth my life. It's not. I don't care what scale you put it on. The fact that you can go and do whatever you want to do anytime under any circumstance does not equal my life. And you don't know what happens to me if I get this disease. I wouldn't know what would happen to me. I don't know what I got in me that might not be ticking quite right right now. And COVID might get in there and magnify so much that it overwhelms the ability to deal with it. Not just me, but our children and our children's children could be affected for years to come. We don't know. And let me go ahead and say this before I get into this sermon. They say they have a vaccine coming. We got a lot of things in our community. I know, I was at Tuskegee for four years. I know about things in our community when it comes to the government and vaccinations. I understand that. I heard it. I dealt with it all my life. But can I tell you this? If they say they got a vaccine, I'm going to take it. I'm telling you that right now. I'm going to take the vaccine when it comes. When it's available for me to take it, I am going to take it. Now, you make the decision yourself on what you want to do. But if that's the hope we have, I take the flu shot every year and have been for years. And too many of you go in and take regular shots every year. Let's make sure we get it. Now, they already say it's two doses on every vaccine. Two doses. You got to take two doses. 
So you got to get ready for that. It's not a one and done. You have to take two doses of it for it to work right. And they also say that the doses that they've been given in the test can sometimes mask the same symptoms as if you have it. So it can act like it's making you sick. They already say that. They're already putting that out. Now let me say this. They're putting that out for our community. For the black folks primarily, for minorities, because they know how skittish we are when it comes to taking these kinds of vaccines. They know if there's any little ripple or hickey hink in it, that we won't do it. I'm telling you right now, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Bible's not empty on these kinds of things. The people were told to do some simple things when Moses was out in the desert. All they had to do was look and live. That's all. Just look and you can live. And they had problems with that too. And that was, let me just say this, pray about it. Pray about it. And let's talk about this message today because embedded in this message is all you need to deal with these circumstances. Anthony made some allusion the other day, I mean the other moment when he got up, about all the stuff we've been through this year. You know, every generation has something that they've gone through. Every one of them, every one of the generations, every one of them come up and where were you when, where were you when this happened? And were you alive when this happened? When some of it's dated, when the man first stepped on the moon, where, were you alive? Or when, 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 where were you on 9-11? Were you alive on 9-11? And one day, people will look back at this situation and say, what did you think of the pandemic when it helped? when it hit, when the entire world was shut down because of a virus. And think about it, if you're able to have that conversation with them years from now, you ought to shout down and say he's able. Yeah, because there'll be some folk who won't be able to have that conversation. They won't be able to talk about memories of what we went through. So be aware that every generation has gone through it. They've had influenza outbreaks that have taken out millions of people. And now we simply go in the drugstore and get a flu shot. And it protects the majority of us. God has given us the ability to come up with remedies for situations, but it still leaves us with tough times. Still tackles our senses sometimes. This thing, anybody would say, that in their current life, not the, not the life to come, because we won't have these problems, but in their current life, they can't imagine a year, Reggie, that's been tougher than 2020. Who in the world would say that this hadn't been a tough year across the spectrum of our lives? I'm looking at Tyrone here. Tyrone in 73 years. Have you seen a tougher year than this? And I know that's how old he is, because we keep up with how old Tyrone is around here. That's our 4th of July, baby. Have we seen a tougher year than 73 years? 74 years. <laughs> Have we seen a tougher year. No, 2020 has been real tough. Now, I want you to go back 74 years from now when he was born. And I want you to think about all that's occurred in our community in these past 74 years. Civil rights struggles. Jim Crow. I want you to think about the fact that he served in the military, the issues surrounding the military. And yet we've come up 
in this year with a list that probably is second to none. There's a global pandemic. There's been a, a, an economic recession, almost worse than the one we had in the 1920s when Wall Street crashed and people committed suicide left and right because they lost in a day, overnight, they lost everything they'd ever had. We got mass unemployment, millions of people filing for unemployment every week. We got political division unlike we've seen in a long time, although black folk have always been in the middle of political division, this has been particularly unique. We've had cultural upheaval of a type that we have hoped for in some instances and never seen before. See, the political division this year meant cultural awareness that had not been, and so folks say, we ain't going out like that no more. And so all those forces colliding have made this a tough year. We've had racial reckoning in our community. We've had, if you haven't been paying attention, we've had record wildfires out on the West Coast burned up millions of acres of property. People have lost literally everything they have. We haven't paid a whole lot of attention to that because we got our own stuff going on over here. But imagine this now, you're in the middle of wildfires and you got COVID still there. You got all those issues to deal with. Not only that, we've had fire tornadoes out in that area. We've had hurricanes more than we've ever seen this year. So many that they've had to start to count over for the first time in history. We've had that many hurricanes to come on and they haven't just been small hurricanes. Ask the, the Gulf Coast, ask New Orleans, ask the whole state over there of Louisiana. Has this been a record year for hurricanes? We've had not only that, we've had floods this year that have been absolutely unexpected. And then last but not least, on a personal level, we've had unexpected celebrity deaths that have just rocked us this year. Not, not older celebrities, young, gifted black folk have left us this year. This has been a, 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 a year. Did I miss anything? I'm sure there's some stuff in your life that I don't even know about. It's been a tough year, y'all. It's been a tough year. In fact, they come up with a new word for this year. There's a new activity. They call it doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. Y'all know what doom scrolling is. It's, it's one of those tech, tech words. It's actually in the book. Doom scrolling. It's when you take your phone and you, all you do is look at your feed all day to see what the latest negative news is. As if every day you're going to hear something bad. Doom scrolling. Y'all know what it looks like. You go in a restaurant. That's all you see folk doing. They're just scrolling through their feed. Yeah, everybody not looking at TikTok. Some folks looking at something else. We, it's a bad situation. Chit Chat might not have all this on. I've also noticed that young folk on Chit Chat and on uh, on TikTok don't look at the news. They don't read the news. The everyday around you, what's happening news. That's a problem when you walk around in a sense of cultural and area unawareness. That's a problem. And so somehow they're going to have to infuse some reality in what they're seeing on some of these other, other chat features because that's dangerous to walk around unaware like that. There's a lot going on. But what I love about what's happening now is despite the situations that mankind can create, God is still in charge. God is still in charge. God is still blessing us. He's still keeping us. And so that's why this year... 
as we start in this season of Advent, I thought it important because of all the negativity that, had been hap- that has been happening that we make sure we understand the positives associated with what God has done. This is a time for celebration. Sometimes it's hard to celebrate the party because you worry about how much you spend on it. I call you today to tell you that we need to make sure we celebrate the party and not just the party. We need to celebrate the one whose birthday it is and we got to concentrate on that. Oh yeah, a high price was paid in order for us to have the celebration, but too often in our own getting ready, we forget about who the actual focus of Christmas is. And so here we are in this Advent, in this Advent, this period of Advent, which is the four weeks on the liturgical calendar that precede Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Advent is simply a word that means coming anticipation. You remember, some of you are much, much too young to remember a commercial for one of the ketchup companies, and they had a song underlying the commercial. They'd see a person trying to pour some of the ketchup out onto some french fries or something, and they, they, they played it out. I do not have a slide up. Y'all look for that, I, of this, but they, they look at the ketchup coming out real slow real slow, and the underlying song was anticipation. Anticipation is keeping me waiting. Right now it would be torture for this generation because they don't want anything to have to wait for. They want everything to be right now. It's gotta be a squirt and go. They want it immediately, and can I tell you that sometimes, sometimes the anticipation is the thrill of the whole event. Can I tell you? That's how it is in love. Oh, yeah, it's the dating. It's the holding hands. It's the walking together. It's the being with one another for a little while. That's the thrill of being in love. The anticipation of the kiss is often much better than the actual kiss itself. Can I tell you? Anticipation means something. Can I tell you? All the TV shows right now, bring this this out. It's called unresolved sexual tension. They have it in all their shows. You know, it's when the main character and another character always act like they're going to hook up, but they never do. They actually write that into the show. Why? It's called anticipation. It keeps you coming back to the show because you want to know, is this going to be the week that they hook up? And I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is no, because the, the brilliant writers have realized that once they hook up, the mystery, the magic is gone. And that's exactly what's happened here. Can you imagine how those folks were those many years ago when they were in the political situation they were in, much like ours? They have been hoping, Tyrone, for a savior. They have been waiting for a messiah to come. And it had been hundreds of years since it had been promised. Not just a few years. It had been hundreds of years since Abraham had been promised that a savior would come from his seed. It had been hundreds of years since it had been promised that somebody would come and save them from the burdens they had. In fact, they had been in captivity over and over. The country had been run amok. They had been taken advantage of by this country, the Babylonians, by the Romans, by so many other countries. 
these folk were tired of getting beat up. Yeah. Can you imagine how much anticipation had built in their lives? It had become a part of who they were. Some people were born, they lived, and they died, Louise, never being fulfilled on that anticipation. They had passed the story on from one generation to the next, saying that a savior is coming. They had been telling their children, never give up hope. Why? Because a savior is coming. And those children would sit there and they would watch their mother and father live their lives in devotion to the notion that a savior was coming. That kind of anticipation had been building over and over again. Can you imagine how they would prepare their hearts? waiting for the coming of someone who would take them to a better situation than they had. But can I tell you this? We've lost track of that. We have such a right now society that we tend to lose focus on the real meaning of Christmas. How can you not lose focus on it when the department stores start putting Christmas stuff out in October? When all they want you to do is come in and buy the latest toy. They don't really care about what Christmas is about. They just want you to buy Tickle Me Elmo or whoever it is. That's all they want. They want you to get a PS5 or whatever it is. They don't care about who the focus is for Christmas. And I'm so saddened when I see believers in Christ who ain't believing in Christ like they ought to be believing in Christ when they're talking about Christmas and ain't talking about Christ. I'm so sad when I see folk do that. They've lost the focus and the hope that they need in order to celebrate this. Who among us does not need the real hope of Christmas this year? Who among us does not need something bigger and better than we have right now? Who among us is not longing, searching for Christ to come and make it better than it's been. Every one of us needs the hope of Christ this year. Why? Because he's bigger than our circumstances. He's better than anything we have. We need the original reason for Christ to come this year. And that's why I've come and I want to talk to you about rediscovering Christmas this year. We need to rediscover the real meaning of Christmas. What's it all about? Have you forgotten what it means to hope? I tell my children all the time how blessed they are at this moment in their lives when I see them, not from their eyes, but with their own children. Why? Because if you want to get back to the magic of what Christmas means, you have to look at it through the eyes of a child. You have to look at the wonder. And can I say this? It's immature what they do because all they've done is figured out that Santa Claus will bring you something. But at least they believe in something bigger than themselves. At least they believe in a man they've never met before. Doing something for them because they've been blessed. At least they believe in that. Do you believe? Have you become so jaded in your life that you've forgotten how to believe? We all need Advent this year. We all need to believe. And so today, to kick off this four-week series, my, my concentration is going to be on the hope of the world. The hope of, of the world. What, what, is, what is the hope of the world? Maybe I should say, who is? Who is? the hope of the world. Did you even know the world had a hope? 
Do you have a hope? Do you know that there's someone who's coming? Let me give you a spoiler alert. That's the term they use today. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ is born on Christmas Day. All right, that's the, that's the spoiler alert. You need to know that. But I need to go back and pick up some things that were happening at the time that Jesus Christ was born. Yes, he's born on the day that we now refer to as Christmas. That's, there's, there's no secret in our, in our believing that he's been born. But can I tell you this? There's some folk who bring it out really, really strongly. So we'll turn to Luke chapter 2. If you ever want to get Christmas together in your house and you want to read something other than Scrooge, Yeah. You tired of watching Jingle Jangle? And I like it. I love it. As a matter of fact, I'm proud of the brother for making it. Said he wanted to make it for 20 years. Hollywood finally gave him the opportunity to make what I think is going to be a Christmas classic for African Americans where we can see folk like us on the screen. That makes a difference. That makes a difference to be able your children to see somebody like them. Yeah, Christmas is not just for other folk, it's for everybody. But in Luke chapter two, you'll find the story, walk with me on this, because you're gonna love these folk, of two people who embody, Alvin, the definition of hope. Who embody the definition of hope. Not hope for themselves, this is what I love, do they have hope for the world? Now, they're doing their own thing. They're living their own life, but their hope is bigger than their own circumstances because can I tell you, life one day at a time is hard. Oh, life is hard one day at a time. You get up, you go to make the donuts, and you finish making the donuts, and you come home. You come home, and you eat, and you celebrate a little bit with your family if you have one, and you go to sleep. And the next day you get up and you do the same thing over again. That's life. That's life on its own terms. And that's if you have a pretty basic life. There's some folk who don't have some of those pieces in place. And so life becomes much more difficult for them. And they have to figure out how to get the next piece in that puzzle I just gave you. Like, they don't have a house to get up in. They do, they don't have food to eat before they go make the donuts, or, or they don't have a place to go make the donuts. Or, I mean, there's so many components to life that we have to put together, and if God has blessed you to put all those components together, and you're taking that for granted, can I tell you how ungrateful you are for God being so good to you? If you got a place to stay, food to eat, work to do, God has blessed you. You might not like your supervisor, but you got one. You got a job, and you ought to thank God for how he's blessed you in those circumstances because imagine how your job would be, I mean, your life would be if you didn't have a job right now. Imagine how much more difficult it would be if you didn't have a house right now. Imagine COVID without a house to live in. Yeah, in and out of shelters, in and out of places to stay, temporary, sleeping on your friends' couches till they get tired of you, trying to find a meal two or three times a day. All the indignities of life that come with that. And you ought to thank God for what you do have. You ought to know that he's been good to you. But in Luke chapter 22, 
There's a long passage in there that I can't read. I just want to introduce you to the two characters. Starting at verse 22, the Bible says, let me paraphrase, that when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, that Mary and Joseph took the baby they had had, their firstborn. His name is Jesus. And because the law required it, they took their baby to the temple, Alvin, because he needed to be purified. You know what that means? That means he needed to be shown to be a righteous and observant Jew, which means he was going to be circumcised. Yeah. So they took him to the temple, and he was going to be baptized and dedicated to the Lord. He's going to be dedicated to the Lord. And when they got to the temple, they ran into a priest. A priest. And can I pick it up right there? Uh, it said, in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Watch this now, because this slides in and you don't get it. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anticipation. It's making me wait. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Watch this now. Verse 26 says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, look at this promise, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Come on now. God has promised this priest that you won't physically leave the earth until you have seen the Messiah come. This is what God promised him. And it came to pass that on that day, verse 27, and he came in the spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus, you need to watch this now, to do for him according to the custom of Moses, circumcised, dedication, and either sacrifice a pair of turtle doves or either two young pigeons, depending on what you could afford. When they came to do that, the Bible says that Simeon took the baby in his arms to bless him. And look at this. Verse 29 says, now, Lord, this Simeon now, he didn't got all out of character when it came to dealing with Joseph and Mary and the baby. If you were standing there, you would hear him look up to heaven and say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes, my eyes, come on now, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The Bible says Mary and Joseph stood there with their mouths open. Now look, it take a whole lot, destiny, for Mary and Joseph to be, to be alarmed. Come on now. It take a whole lot for Mary, who had the Holy Spirit overshadow her and make this baby without the help of a man. It take a whole lot. For Joseph, who was just sleeping in his bed when the angel came to him and said, what Mary is doing is not of this world, but is of the Holy Spirit. It takes a whole lot for them to have to stand there with their hand on their hip and say, oh, my Lord, what's happening right now? Take a whole lot. And yet, 
Mary and Joseph were standing there with their mouths wide open because this man who had been serving in the temple every day, who had been working, anticipating, get up in the morning, go make the donuts, every day, all his life, sworn that he would not come back to glory until he had seen the Messiah. This man stands up, Louise, in the middle of church and say, I got a testimony. Yeah, I got to see him for myself. He's holding the Savior in his arm, and he knows that God has delivered to him the hope of the world. He's sitting there holding in his hand the hope of the world. And he testifies. He said, I can die now. And Mary and Joseph are saying, what in the world? What in the world is going on right now? God kept his promise to Simeon. After all those years, as if that wasn't enough, Tyrone, in the same temple, at the same time, there was another woman there, another woman, and her name was Anna. She had a story like no other. The Bible said that Anna was a prophetess in the temple. And it says that if you, read the, if you read the scripture starting in verse 36, the Bible says that Anna had been married for seven years when she became a widow. Now, if you go back and you do the calculation of the normal time that a woman got married in that time, that means that she would have been a very young woman. But the time of the writing of this day when Jesus and his parents came to the temple, she was 84 years old. And the Bible says she became a widow after being married seven years and had come to the temple every day from the time she had been a widow until the day that they came in, which means if you do the math, she had been there about 60 years waiting for God to send the hope of the world into the temple. Y'all don't hear me on this. Anticipation. She had gotten up waiting every day for God to fulfill his promise to her. It says, and when she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and praying night and day, and coming up at that very hour, Bible says that not only was Simeon over there running up and down the pews, but Anna started celebrating too because according to verse 38, and she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Why? Because hope had come to the world. Jesus was so special that people knew who he was when he was still in utero. That's how special he was. His cousin, John the Baptist, jumped up and celebrated in his mama's uterus while he was still waiting to come here. Not only that, when he gets baptized in the temple shortly after his birth, here comes the priest and the prophetess over here celebrating him. Nobody else could tell one baby. If you go to the hospital right now without names on the, on the uh, incubators or on the bed, you're going to be hard-pressed to tell one baby from another. All of them, some of them look like squirrels. All of them look a little different, but they, none of them look like the Messiah laying in their mama's arms. And yet, it took the Holy Spirit to reveal to a true believer that hope has come into this world. 
Now the question is, do you recognize hope when hope is right around you? I want to know if you know what it looks like. Can you identify hope? What is it about these two individuals that make them so special and so unique? What is it about their walk and their witness? Can I tell you, nothing in their life was sweeter than that moment when their hope was validated by the Lord. Now, I came to ask you this right now. What have you been hoping for? Oh, no, 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 no. What have you been waiting on God, waiting on the Lord to do in your life that seemed like you've been praying so long you ought to just stop praying? And don't sit here and tell me you haven't been praying for anything because if you're a believer, you believe in prayer and you believe that he can do anything. If you pray for a dolly or for a wagon, you can pray to the Lord that he'll bless you with something. Yeah, if you wanted a Tickle Me Elmo or whatever kind of doll you wanted, a Teddy Rucks being, then you've been praying that the Lord would do something in your life too. You still believe in the power of prayer, but what's happened is you forgot how to hope. The world has come and snatched away the power of belief in your life. You still believe, but anticipation has been wearing you out. Yeah, some of you been... So long looking for love, you don't even know love when it walk in your face. Some of you don't know how to take it and run with it when love is running after you, chasing you down. You don't understand that love is right there. Why? Because you didn't even know how to hope no more. And I got news for you. There are folk around you in your house right now who walk with you and talk with you every day. They don't know how to hope either. Oh, no, no. They've lost the power of being able to hope. And can I tell you? God is still blessing you. You think because you've done it a long time that the victory you seek is so far away from you. Can I tell you, it's just, it just may be about to walk through the door. And that's how you got to believe every day. Oh, yeah, Reggie, the next recording contract might just be after the next song you play. You never know. You got to keep on keeping on. You got to get up and make the donuts every morning. You got to come and play until the Lord say so. But can I tell you, hope doesn't die. Oh, oh let me tell you, let me tell you what these folk have that you and I need to make sure that we, we stay close to. We need to make sure that like Simeon and like Anna, we understand what hope is all about. Otherwise, you'll give up. Oh, yeah, and giving up is part of the problem. Can I tell you, what is it? The first thing you need to know is hope has no best if used by date. Oh, oh yeah, no, 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 no. That, that, you can't have no stale hope. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can't have no stale hope. It doesn't go sour and get runny. It doesn't get lumpy. Hope today can be just as fresh tomorrow. You just got to make sure you keep it burning in your heart. It never goes out of, out of date. And so the same hope, can I tell you, we don't know how old Simeon was when God gave him the promise that you won't die until you see the Messiah. Who knows? He may have been, or may have been Louise, on the first day he became a priest. God said, you won't die until you see the Messiah. And yet, here we have him, old in terms of his age. Many years and decades have passed by. He's been faithful every day. He's been hopeful every day. And God is true to his word. Why? Because he doesn't lie. Didn't matter what kind of disease 
or malady befell Simeon in his life, none of it was going to be fatal. Why? Because God has already said you won't leave here until you see the Messiah. And that's exactly what happened. God kept on blessing him in the ways that he needed to be blessed so he could get to the day when he actually beheld and hailed physically the Messiah. Hope has no best if used by day. Can you imagine how hopeful Anna was on the day she got married? Can you imagine how dejected she was on the day that her husband died? Yeah, the same high of joy was experienced by the opposite low of being left alone in a community where somebody needs to look after you if you're a woman, when you have no resources, and instead of being dejected and rejected, she turns her devotion completely to the Lord, and she continues every day to make her job hoping. And she comes in every day to the temple, and she prays morning, noon, and night that the Lord would send someone and she realizes on that morning when Jesus comes in that there is no best if used by day when it comes to hope. I, I hope you know this. I want you to see this. In verses 24 through 26 of Romans chapter 8, Paul gives us a definition of what hope really is. He says, he says after going through a whole lot, and if you've never read Romans chapter 8, I commend it to you. It teaches us how to be believers. The entire book of Romans is called the Constitution, the Constitution of Christianity. It teaches us how to be believers. But in that eighth chapter, there's so much richness. Romans chapter 8, Paul reminds us that there's no condemnation for those people who are in Christ Jesus. There's just not any there. You can't, nobody can come against you. And after he talks to us about our future and how God's going to fulfill his work in us and restore all of creation, he reminds us of what the power of hope is. In verse 24 through 26, he said, for in this hope, walk, walk with me now, for in this hope we were saved. How many of y'all were saved through the power of hope? I know I was. But hope, you need to hear me on this, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. In other words, we live in a society where folk want to see everything. But if you see it, that's not hope. Hope that's seen is no hope at all. He continues with, now this is Paul. This is hundreds of years ago, thousands of years. He writes, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it, look at that word, patiently. In the same way, you got a helper there. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We had a story we tell all the time to our family. When they'd interact with our children, we used to tell them, don't promise them you're going to do nothing. Because they ain't going to let you forget you tell them you're going to take them to the store, they expect you to take them to the store. And they're going to keep asking you. Why? Because as soon as you tell them, I'm going to take you to the store, they start hoping that they can go to the store. And they want to make sure your children the same way. 
they want to make sure that you're going to fulfill your word, that you're going to take them to the store. So if you're not going to be able to do it, don't tell them you're going to do it. And I found that that's a great metaphor for life, that God doesn't tell us anything that he's not going to do. But if he tells you, you just need to be patient. Just wait. Wait for it. Isn't that what they say these days? Wait for it. Get up in the morning. Wait for it. Yeah, he didn't come for me today, but tomorrow I'm just going to wait for it. You need to learn how to be patient in what God said. If he tells you love is coming into your life, wait for it. I don't know how old you'll be when love steps around the corner, but just wait for it. Believe that he'll take care of you and do what he said he was going to do. Hope precedes our present reality. Watch this now. Hope by its very nature exists in the uncertainty of before. The power of hope is that I don't see it and yet I believe. That's the power of hope. I have a certainty that God who never promises anything he can't do will come through on his word. That's the power of hope. I don't have any doubt. And if I do, that's okay too. Can I tell you that doubt is not unbelief. Doubt is just uncertainty. God can deal with uncertainty because he can bring you what you need to make it certain. Oh, he does it every day. And so these two teach us that there's no best if used by date when it comes to hope. You also need to know that hope never loses power because God is ever present. Oh, you need to know that. Every day, every way, God is with you. He's showing you, I'm still God. In every circumstance, I'm still God. You haven't gotten what you wanted yet, but I'm still God. I'm still blessing you. I'm still keeping you. It never loses power. Yeah, God wasn't taken by surprise when the coronavirus came. It's not something he didn't know about. Oh, no, God's not taken by surprise when you go in the hospital and the doctor gives you that diagnosis. God's not taken by surprise. No, no, it's not shocking to God. God's not surprised when you get that call in the middle of the night or something's happened to one of your loved ones. No, no, God's not surprised the moment you get your heart broken. He's not surprised. They didn't catch God slipping. They didn't catch him unaware. Uh-uh. No, the moment you were left in your utter confusion because the light stepped into you, God's not caught unaware. He knows you. He sees you. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's the hope that we've been praying for. And that's the hope that's been infused in you. It may feel like it's been pressed down, crushed sometime. But can I tell you, it's never defeated. Even in our most grim circumstances, in the deepest pain we could possibly have, when the gleam of life seems so faint, hope is still available to us. We can still believe. As long as the Spirit is within us, then the Spirit has the power in us to restore to us the memory of God's faithfulness in our lives. And that's hope. Hope is the first glimmer of sunlight you see in the morning. That's hope. We always think we got to have a big hope. But hope is simply being able to take a breath when you become aware in the morning. That's hope. Hope never abandons us. 
If anything, we turn away from what God is showing to us. It's a reminder of how good he is. Our God, our Emmanuel, who is ever with us, has promised his people throughout history and continues to remind us that he is ever present with us. How do I know that? Because the Bible is so full of statements from the Lord about how good he's been. He told Jeremiah, I already know the plans I have for you. I got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I got plans to give you hope and to give you a future. He's been reminding us how good he is. He told Isaiah, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, guess what? I'll be there with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames won't set you ablaze. Why? Because I'm God and I'm always, always, always with you. That's a song I grew up loving. I used to harm it sometimes when I get scared. When I was away by myself, the lyrics are simple. It simply says, I don't have to worry because I'm never alone. Never alone. I might not have no people in the room with me. Nobody might be talking to me, but I don't have to worry because I'm never, I'm never alone. Can I tell you that not only does hope never lose power, but hope inspires each of us to keep on keeping on. Y'all know how to keep on keeping on. That's one of them good 70s and 80s statements. You walk by somebody and you see them struggling and you walk up to them and you say, come on, my man, keep on keeping on. In other words, do what you do. Don't let nobody stop you from doing what you're doing right now. Keep on keeping on. Romans said, we boast, chapter 2, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, reminds us to boast in the hope of the glory of God. But not only so, if we boast in the glory of the hope of God, we also have to uh, boast in glory of our sufferings. Because we know that there's a purpose to those sufferings. Watch this. Suffering produces perseverance. And then perseverance has its own byproduct, and that that perseverance produces character. Character has its own byproduct. Character produces hope. And I love this because the end product of perseverance, character, is hope. And Paul writes clearly that hope does not put us to shame. No, 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 no. Because God's love has already been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been freely given to us. So the hope of the Holy Spirit that's in us will never put us to shame. Why? Because God is always with us. Nothing can defeat him. Can I tell you this and then I'm out of here. The reason why you can hope is because God never gives up. God won't ever give out. We won't know the end of God as long as you know that God has no end. You know that your hope is safe. All you got to do is keep on believing. Age doesn't matter. I just told you about Simeon and Anna. Both have been believing for a long time, and God fulfilled their greatest expectation. 
But even in this world, even during this moment of COVID, we still got examples being made. How many of you know the story of Colonel, of Captain Tom? You haven't heard the story of Captain Tom? Then I want to tell you this so you can understand how God is still blessing Tom Moore, who is now referred to as Captain Tom, or Captain Sir Tom Moore, because he's been knighted by the, the Queen of England, waited until he got 100 years old before the Queen knighted him. And the reason she knighted him is because he single-handedly raised $40 million for the healthcare system in Britain. Single-handedly. How did he do that? Well, his son-in-law told him he would give him, he would make a donation to the healthcare system if Sir Tom would do a lap around the backyard of his house. One lap. He told him he'd give him a dollar for every lap he would do. He's 100 years old. He took the challenge. And once people heard that Sir Tom had started doing the laps around his backyard, they started donating online. And even though his son-in-law said, I'll give you a dollar, somebody else said, I'll give you 10. And Sir Tom started his walk around the backyard. And before it was over, a hundred-year-old man had done a hundred laps around the backyard and raised $40 million. He started out expecting that he could do it. Guess what? He said the hardest part was the first step. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what you do. The hardest part is the first step. Step out on faith. $40 million at age 100. That might not mean anything to you, but how many of y'all know some 100-year-olds that can't raise their head? We know. We had some centenarians in here who came in running and shouting. I bet Ms. Hankins could have done 100 laps around her when she was 100 years old. I put two or three more on the list that could have done 100 laps when they were 100 years old. How do I know? Because God is a good God. Yeah, he's a good God. He's been keeping folk, and he has not let them down. Hope is still available to you. He's still the hope of the world. You just got to be able to see beyond today. I, I know it can be hard to lift your head sometimes. I, I know you can be downcast. Sometimes your eyes are full of tears. I, I, I know you're still trying to look for that tiny spark in your life that shows you that God has not forsaken you. I know it can be difficult to reach beyond the troubles that you're dealing with sometimes to even see God's outstretched hand. It can feel almost impossible sometimes to take that very first step toward the tomorrow and the hope that God has for you. But can I tell you that hope still inspires us. Oh yeah, you still just take that first step. That first step acts as its own power generator. The fact that you took the first step will embolden you to take another step. And hope builds upon itself. And then can I tell you something? Clearly, hope is contagious. Because when other folks see you taking a step, they turn around and start taking steps themselves. No matter what, hope is still available to you. And too often as humans, we want to see what happens tomorrow. Oh yeah, that's how we do it. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? The little girl I know who's now my wife, Used to ask her dad all the time when watching TV, and the story would start, and she turned to him and said, Daddy, what's going to happen next? 
and he was teaching her a biblical truth in the middle of a social setting. He'd teach her, wait and see, baby. Let's just wait and see. And I came to tell you today that that is still good teaching. Wait and see what God is going to do, because eyes have not seen, nor has ear heard. It hadn't even entered into our minds, y'all, what God has planned for us. But it's through hope that we'll be able to realize all the good things that he has in store for us. In this Advent season, we can find the hope of tomorrow in the arrival yesteryear of Jesus Christ. Reverend Beverly, I hear you. How do we know that he's coming back again? We know because he came the first time. The very fact that Jesus came the first time ought to be your hope of an expectation that he'll be coming here again. I can't wait to see him. I'm so excited. In the words of George Solomon, I'm so excited to see Jesus for myself. I'm so excited that he's going to come back. Are you excited for this season? Forget about the packages. Forget about the shopping. Just look to heaven to see what the Lord is doing for us. I hope you enjoyed the season of Advent and look forward to Jesus coming. My blessing to you today is that God will fill you with the joy of expectation, the joy of anticipation, and that on the day of celebration, you will explode with celebration of Jesus being with us. God bless you today. If you've never accepted this baby as your savior, then I urge you to step into a more mature relationship with him. Why? Because the baby grew up and became a savior. And the savior went to the cross and died for each one of us. And that savior now lives forevermore, making an intercession for me and you. Have you tried him? Do you love him? Do you know him? I hope you find out who he is, and I hope I've given you some indication that he's still worth hanging your life on.